You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Successfully fought off that yawn so I can get through this. That was fantastic. Didn't think I was going to make it, but I did. Take that yawn. There's really no stopping me. You know, you put your mind to something, you work hard, eat your vitamins. (sighs) Good day. What a great day. So today, um, what I wanted to do was to start going through the uh, NFC North Divisional opponents. And then all this news about the NFL season starting up and including more detailed news came up. And I thought, well, I got to talk about that. But I don't want to cut into me ranting against the NFC North opponents. may not necessarily be. I, I can't talk about the Bears and not get angry. Lions, there's nothing to get upset about. I mean, they are what they are, and everybody acknowledges, including Lions fans. So. Bottom line is, I figure, let's do one more day, get kind of caught up. We had the interview and several days off, etc., etc. Let's just kind of do a little roundup, clean up around the edges a little bit, clear the surface, and then we'll lay down the NFC North on a nice, flat, even surface. I don't understand exactly where this surface thing is coming from and why I keep talking about it. But I feel like there's an analogy that is worth saying. And um, I'm going to run with it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay with this. But I do want to start off with that. And then after that, it's just going to be kind of grab baggy. And that's it. But as always, please make sure you are in the Packernet Podcast Facebook group. Make sure you like the Packernet Podcast Facebook page. Page is growing pretty rapidly, and I appreciate that. I want to say thank you to Ryan for jumping in on Patreon. Very greatly appreciated. If you did want to support the show in that way, you could definitely do that. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy is where you can support this show. And you can do it for as little as a buck a month. Think about that. I know I take a couple days off now and again. But I think I do a pretty decent job of entertaining people throughout the week. And to be able to get this much content for a buck a month, which if I did 20 episodes, what is that, five cents? It's it's, It's reasonable. It's a reasonable ask. I don't know. Maybe I'm being greedy. If I, if I am, I apologize. But think it over. I am I am right on the cusp of being able to do this full time. If I could just get about a hundred thousand more dollars a year, then I could just start a discussion with my wife. At which point she would say there's no security, and I would still be told no. But still, we're we're so close. And with your help, we could be a dollar closer. Anyways. What else? Uh, Five-star iTunes review would be greatly, greatly helpful. 
I did notice I'm starting to work my way up through the rankings very, very slowly, way too slow. But I haven't found that I'm buried behind shows that aren't updating anymore, and that's kind of the first big goal. Now, for the most part, shows that are ahead of me, I don't know definitively that they aren't bigger shows. I feel like a couple of them I probably am, but I'm not going to nitpick here. So thank you for your help in um, letting places see the light. Although I was told yesterday I'm still not ranked very highly on iTunes. iTunes is, despite being the biggest podcast player because they force iTunes users to use that garbage, it has got to be the worst of all of them. And they're, almost all of them are terrible. I just, I don't understand how they care so little about doing things correctly. They're not even trying. It drives me crazy. But that's why they're going to be losing to iHeartRadio and Spotify and other places that actually care. Anyways, sorry. It's just the world that I'm immersed in, and I would just like it if, if it's a big industry and they don't put any money or effort into this. It's like, come on, man. But they also don't monetize these things, so they're not making money off of this. So there you go. Although Spotify is, and that's why they care, and that's also why I'm ranked number one on Spotify. Burn! Moving on. Why don't we just start talking about it first? I mentioned that since the beginning I got a vibe from Roger Goodell that he was not going to allow there to not be a season, right? There are other owners or commissioners, I guess, whatever, of different sports, particularly basketball. And I don't know basketball, I don't watch that or whatever, but... I remember hearing comments, and it just felt like other sports, especially basketball, there was this kind of feeling of being much more on board with what was going on around the world and being like, you know what, basketball is second. I didn't get that vibe from Roger Goodell very much. And I never got that vibe from the NFL owners, not that I heard from all of them on a personal level, but just everything NFL-related, not necessarily coaches and players and fans, but the people that actually make decisions, has always been very... Yeah, we're going to play football. We're, we're Somehow or another, we're going to make this work. And I, I appreciate the optimism of it, of it all. And I never really was on board with a lot of fans. Every time you try to talk about football, there's no season anyway, so it doesn't matter. Eh, maybe, but I feel like it's significantly less than 50%. But we got our first little blip of good news. What was this? A um, week or two ago. About a week ago, I think the 19th, when NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell told teams facilities can begin to reopen on Tuesday, which would have been the 19th. So that's a good sign. It's a good sign that you're beginning to see things move in that direction. And by the way, it's May. Everything's reopening rapidly, and it's only May. We still have June, we still have July, we still have August, we still have, well, not really September, but, you know, that's a long time. We also just heard New Jersey say that they're going to start allowing teams to play, which is shocking because they're one of the only states that is still completely shut down right now. One of, I think, two. Nope. As of the latest update, they are literally the only state left. Delaware and Illinois are under the reopening soon category. I'm looking at this New York Times article that I've been using as a reference to, to everything that's going on right now. New Jersey's the only one shut down. But the point is, New Jersey's even saying, yeah, we're going to start allowing teams to do stuff. In this case, they're going to allow the teams uh, to begin their training camps. We also got news that the Green Bay Packers are going to be opening, which, a- again, when when the NFL first said we're going to allow teams to go back, a lot of teams said no thank you. But it took all of, what, three days for teams to say, you know what, all right, fine. Again, things are happening very quickly. And this is all good news. 
Quote, per Packers spokesperson, Lambeau Field will reopen on Tuesday to no more than 75 employees across various departments in accordance with NFL rules and health officials. No coaches, no players back in the building yet. No 1919, no pro shop, no public-facing aspects yet. So all this is great. But then it got a little weird. (laughs) There was an article that came out, or several articles based on comments, that says the NFL is planning to have full stadiums in September and August, league officials says. Now, here's the first thing. Essentially what this official is saying is that they're just planning for the best. And I guess I understand that, but that was actually the first time I started to feel nervous because this feels like a little more optimism than is reasonable. Now, I understand I've been saying that there's a lot of time between now and then, but there's also a lot of states that have football teams in them. So while there's no doubt in my mind certain states are going to be okay with stadiums being open, I have very little doubt about that. I also have very little doubt that the Chicago Bears, who are in Chicago, as well as New York and New Jersey and California and places like that, are not going to allow stadiums to be filled with people. I could be wrong. I mean, this this virus could just go to zero in the next couple months, and then guess what? We're all back to normal, with the exception of some people who are completely traumatized by this and are refusing to go, but that's just beside the point. But the point is I started getting nervous because I've been feeling very optimistic about the optimism, and then all of a sudden I realized that maybe their optimism is silly, and then I got sad. <laughs> because if this isn't real, maybe none of it's real. And I kind of need this to be real. But I guess the bottom line is that, at the very least, the NFL is going to push very hard to make sure that there is a season. And so I do anticipate very strongly that there will be a season. I also feel very strongly that there will not be every single team allowing there to be full stadiums. Maybe some, but I doubt it. Now, the next question would be, what about Wisconsin? Because that's where Green Bay is, and there's a lot of people that want to go to games. And remember, it's not all just up to governors and everything else. There's also just the Packers' discretion that they may just come out and say, no, we're not doing that. There's the local officials, there's the county officials, and then there's the governor. There's a lot of people that could step in and say, this is a bad idea, we're not going to let this happen. However, we're clearly moving in the direction of economic damage mitigation. I chose to say it that way, I'm sticking to it. In other words, even the folks who are the most adamant that we need to stay shut down are beginning to loosen things because of the absolute devastation they're beginning to see economically. And although there are several teams and cities that could get by without revenue from an NFL team, I don't think Green Bay is one of them. If you don't have a flood of 80,000 people going to Green Bay, which it's probably even more than that. Some people go and don't even, you know, you you rent out a place, you go to the stadium and grill out, whatever. Also the revenue of people just going and doing tours, etc., etc. I just don't know who would have, as much as people would love to step in and say this is a bad idea, who's going to be the one to actually want to step out and say, sorry, we're not doing this. Especially if things continue to trend downward, as I fully expect them to. Now, of course, there could be that second spike that everyone is projecting, in which case, all bets are off. But without that, if things continue to trend down, I don't see anybody having the guts to step up and say, no, we're not going to, we're going to allow Green Bay to starve after several months of the state being open and seeing no negative repercussions. 
Again, I'm assuming that's the case. I don't know. We don't know what's going to happen in the coming in in the future. But that's kind of the point. So I don't know. It's 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 very. I'm I'm actually surprisingly leaning toward something being allowed, whether it's full stadium or you know one third or fifty percent. I think Green Bay in particular needs to find a way to allow that economy to have what it needs during the NFL season. The Packers are the lifeblood of that town. And again, it's 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 silly to speculate at this point. We got to see what happens with this. But again, everything is trending in the right direction including the virus itself. And if that continues, I do expect there to be fans in the stands of Lambeau Field. But again, the NFL assuming that all the stands will be full, I think is a little bit silly. I do appreciate the optimism though. And I also do, I mean, legitimately appreciate that they do want to, I mean, I don't want them to put anybody in harm's way, but they do want to start the season and are clearly not worried about the opinions of people. Because some people will be very angry about their position. Oh well. Follow all the guidelines that you need to follow. Otherwise, do your job and play football. I'm not really worried about the PR campaign, just like some of these other commissioners may be. But again, I've been trying to monitor this as best as I can, hoping for very, very good news so that we can be optimistic of an an, an NFL season. And again, the idea that if we go outside, then there won't be an NFL season is silly. Again, what happens when you flatten something? You elongate it. The question is, as these things start to loosen up, are there very, very negative repercussions that would cause us to go back under lockdown? That has not happened one time yet. If this continues... That is a very, very good sign, and we need to hope that as we loosen things, which we should be doing, there aren't massive spikes. And if you want to monitor this by yourself, independently, not being told what to believe or what to think, there is a great New York Times article. It's called See How All 50 States Are Reopening. It shows you all the data of when the state was shut down, when it was reopened on these nice little graphs for each and every one of the states and all the data of the infections for every single day as well as a trend line. So you can track this stuff and see, okay, this is where they shut down, this is where they reopened, how are they doing? Is this getting out of control? So literally every day I'm monitoring this thing just to see. And so far I think it's safe to say that it's been very, very encouraging news. Anyways, why don't we take our first break and dive into some other stuff? I say first break, it's the only break. Let's take our break, we'll be right back. Hey, U.S. Cellular customers, I've got good news, so don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't just misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you. Us Days at U.S. Cellular, exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Terms apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So I want to discuss a little bit about this 4th and 15 rule. I think I'm completely in favor of it. I don't honestly know if that's the popular take or not. Usually, usually when I go at something, I'm very passionate one direction or another based on where I think everybody's standing. I don't really know where people stand on this, to be honest. Um, partly because, well, here's the one objection that I have heard. It damages the integrity of the game, right? There's a certain thing that we do, and you're messing with that. Here's the problem. I have a solution to that. It's very simple. How do we fix the onside kick situation and not damage the integrity of the game by just making up new rules and changing the game so drastically? How do we do that? It's very simple. Unbreak the onside kick. Integrity, what, what, what are you talking about, the integrity of the game? You ruined the onside kick by changing the rules. And now when we want to rectify this, you want to say, well, it's, you're hurting the integrity of the game. Fine. Teams were 0-16 on onside kicks last year. It's a useless por- portion of this game. Everything involving kickoffs and onside kicks is being ruined by the NFL with these rules. And if you want to talk about player safety, fine. But, I mean, an onside kick? How many injuries come from an onside kick? These guys aren't running 40, 50 yards down the field and smacking into people. For those that don't know, the onside kick has been ruined based on a new rule that you're not allowed to essentially get a running start. You have to stand still, wait for the ball to get kicked, and then take off running, and and you're standing a yard behind where the ball is kicked. So if you kick it 10 yards down the field, you're standing 11 yards away from where the ball is going to be, and you're not allowed to get to even start running until the ball gets kicked. It's, It's... I don't want to say literally impossible, but it's it's 0-16 impossible. I mean, first of all, teams aren't even bothering to attempt it, and when they do, they're getting just laughed at. So that would be my, my first vote. Just bring back the onside kick. Now, I mean, it's not it's not a super valuable part of the game, and it, it's still low percentage anyways, but that's part of the excitement of it, and I don't want it to go away. I don't want the onside kick to go away, but if you're going to ruin the game, then try to fix it. And if you're not going to fix it by just unruining it, then we need another solution. So I'm, I'm open to this being a thing. The, the biggest concern I have about it is the fact that I think this is probably a little higher probability than an onside kick, and, and, and I don't want it to be a situation where some teams, especially as offenses get better and better, are so proficient at it that it's, it's bordering on a 50% chance. Right, you get one of those ridiculous games where the, you know, it's, the score is 35 to 40, and the defenses just cannot stop the other side no matter what. It, it, it could be a situation where, you know, you're down two scores. All you got to do is drive down, score, convert the 15, drive down, and score. You can do it. I mean, you can do that as many times as you want, and the, the other team never gets the ball back. Now, granted, it's, it's, I doubt it'll ever be to the point where it's a, an 80% success rate, but I went and looked at it anyways just to see, and it's, it's not that unsuccessful. From what I can see, there were 22 unsuccessful 4th and 15 or greater attempts. There were 6 successful attempts. That's basically 1 in 5. It's a little better than 1 in 5 chance. It is a 21.4% chance 
of converting a 4th and 15 or greater. For reference, Russell Wilson to Josh Gordon, 23 yards. Carson Wentz to Zach Ertz, 17 yards. Mitch Trubisky to Allen Robinson, 25 yards. Deshaun Watson to DeAndre Hopkins, 19 yards. Daniel Jones to Golden Golden Tate, 23 yards. Baker Mayfield to Odell Beckham, 20 yards. Those were the successful 4th and 15 or greater uh, attempts. And also keep in mind, these are just teams that were kind of forced into that situation and felt the need to do it. These aren't even necessarily teams that are the most adept at doing it. I mean, Baker Mayfield, Daniel Jones, Mitch Trubisky. Again, what I'm picturing are teams that are, you know, the Chiefs, the Saints. What is their success rate? If the league-wide success rate of teams that were forced into this situation is 21.4%, what's the Chiefs' success rate? 33%? I mean, it just gets to a point where it's I know it's high risk. I don't think anyone's going to just do it. Plus, there's no element of surprise. You can't do a sneak 4th and 15 from your 20 or whatever the, the plan is. And it's it's extremely high risk because then the opponent will get the, the ball on their 20 or 25 or whatever. What it, What is it? Let me look. Doing all this research to find out what the 4th and 15 numbers are, and I don't even know what the rule is. It's the 25 yard. It's amazing how hard it was to find that. Went through four different articles, not one mentioned the 25-yard line. I had to find PFT on YouTube and wait for him to say the words. It's ridiculous. But but that is my only real... And, and again, if we don't like this, bring the onside kickback. It's, it, it's broken in its current form, and we have to do something. The integrity of the game allows for a team to get the ball back after they score. That That is part of the game. Presently, it's an onside kick. I would prefer we bring that back. Right, I mean, it's just if you've been watching football for a long time, it's it's there are a lot of memories of it, and we I I don't and you don't I'm assuming want to have to look back and say there was a time when there was an onside kick and there were all these exciting things and they got rid of it. I don't want it to go away, but we got to let players do what they're doing and with player safety, which again I don't think an onside kick is the same as a kickoff in general. Granted, how do you enforce that if it's an onside kick and you're trying to fake the onside kick? And your guys start running, and then they throw a flag because you can't just be like, "Well, let's see if they do an onside kick." Well, you could do that, or you could just line up differently. I, you know, again, my preference is let's keep the onside kick, unbreak it. But if we're completely unwilling to do that, then I think this is an alternative we should look at. Maybe it needs to be tweaked a little bit. And I understand the concern of essentially make it take it. There is a scenario, not very likely, but we saw, for example, Mike McCarthy. The opening game onside kick. Now that was a trick play, and again, you can't fake the the fourth and twenty or the fourth and fifteen from the twenty-five. You have to declare it and line up and play. But there is a, a legitimate scenario if the Chiefs feel confident enough where they could literally go up twenty-one nothing before the other team ever sees the ball. Is that what we want it to be? Now we could easily tweak that by saying you have to be behind, and I don't think that would be terrible. And there's already a rule, at least as it's currently formulated, I believe. That says you can only use this twice in a game. So you couldn't just do this forever and then you would never see the other team out there, which is unlikely anyways because eventually you would get the team off the field. And I mean, it, it, the other problem, it's just not a great product, right? I mean, if that's just what you do, you score and then you try it from there. And then if you don't get it, the other team gets it and they score a touchdown because they're on your 25 now, or at least it's an automatic field goal. It's just, it's just kind of a... You could see how this would get out of control, and let's not act like every time they make rule changes, it doesn't ruin something. It never goes like it's supposed to go. The plan is always, let's just fix everything by making more rules 
And then we find out that it doesn't actually fix anything and it just ruins five other things that we didn't foresee being ruined. Teams will find loopholes, teams will find problems, teams will do this, 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 this. There's going to be issues. But again, my stance is we need a solution because the onside kick is broken because you broke it. Right? It's not like it's not like this is just coming up out of nowhere and we're just scrapping this for nothing. You guys decided, made a decision to ruin the onside kick and you need to fix it now. And again, I'm 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 somewhat open to this, but also it's granted this is with everything, but it, it also gives a very unfair advantage to certain teams. For example, if the Packers are moving much more toward the style of offense that LaFleur wants, fourth and fifteen is not going to be optimal at all. Because there is no threat of running, there is no threat of play action. If you're even trying a play action pass, you're dumb. Nobody's going to bite. Nobody's even. The linebackers aren't even going to be up there. They're not even going to have linebackers on the field. They're going to be in dollar defense with three pass rushers. Maybe not necessarily, but you get my point. And so that is that does create somewhat of another issue. The Chiefs and the Saints and, and maybe the Bucks. I don't know if Tom Brady is going to be any good at throwing the field, the ball down the field, but we'll say the 2019 Bucks, teams that are much more adept at getting the ball down the field are going to be able to manipulate this much more. It may as well be 4th and 5 for some teams and 4th and 50 for others. Well, granted, that's the case in the NFL in general, where some teams have a much harder time getting wins than others, but it's, it's still an issue in my mind. But again, I am in favor of it insofar as if we're not going to fix the onside kick, we have to come up with a new solution. And if nothing else, let's at least just try it. And if it's terrible, let's come back to the table. I'm, especially this year, I'm fine with let's treating this like an experimental year. It's kind of like a near-death experience. Everything beyond this point kind of feels like borrowed time anyways, because I shouldn't even be here. This season may almost didn't even happen anyways, so let's experiment a little bit this year. Let's see how much we can ruin this game, and then come back and say, you know what, these were all terrible ideas, let's go back to normal football. Also, I do think the claims, as I said about the Chiefs going out, scoring a touchdown, doing that, you know, going up 20, I think that's extremely unlikely. Teams choosing to put their offense on a 4th and 15 from their own 25 in the first quarter, as opposed to kicking off and trusting their defense to get the ball back, I just think that that's a very low chance of that happening. Not saying it's impossible, let's say in the playoffs, Chiefs-Ravens or something. Chiefs want to go crazy and say, you know what, we're going to, we're going to get the lead and we're going to carry the lead all game but even in that situation i think it's very unlikely so again let's try it i think it'll be exciting i think there's going to be issues i think it'd be a great way to have hope as a team much more so than an onside kick would but again i think part of the problem is going to be that if it's for example packers chiefs and they need to get the ball back if it's an onside kick and even if i'm talking about the the old way the onside kick used to work you feel pretty good about your chances if it's 4th and 15 against the Chiefs, I don't think you feel good about your chances, especially with the Packers, just the way that things have gone with their history of, you know, I don't want to get into it, but I feel like you know what I'm talking about. I just, I would not feel good about that, and I would feel like there's a less than 50% chance that we stop them on 4th and 15, and that would be a little bit annoying. But again, let's try it. Let's just, let's just do it. Whatever, man. Live a little, all right? Um, I'm pretty short on time, but I want to just talk about one more thing and, and I probably don't have much to add because I've already done my rant on how disgusted I am with these ridiculous power rankings but I got sent one yesterday on Twitter Mr. Um, Danny Mick Danny MC whatever on Twitter sent me ESPN's new football power index 
The Packers are ranked 15th, man. 15th. I just, I don't, I don't get it. Projected wins, essentially eight. Chances to reach the playoffs, 43%. I'm, I, I just, I feel exasperated a little bit. You know, I know my job at this moment is to, to say words. I'm at an absolute loss of words right now. I'm just, I'm just confused. The Vikings have a 54% chance. I'm gonna, I'm gonna flip out. I, I just, I just want someone to explain it to me. I'm, I'm gonna reach out to a, a Vikings fan, or I, I, I don't know, I don't know. I, I, the Vikings got worse. The Vikings got worse than last year. The Packers got better, marginally better, but they got better, right? Devin Funches, although he's not the upgrade we wanted, it's a, it's a, it's a half a tick forward. It's, it's better than last year. We wanted to be a lot better. We wanted to end up with Jerry Judy or Henry Ruggs or LaVisca Chenault or, or Jalen Rager. No question about it. I wanted Brashad Perriman real bad. We didn't get him, but guess what? The team still got better. A.J. Dillon is going to help. Josiah DeGuara is going to help. Again, the, the core of this team is youth, and they're getting another year. We had a coach that came in in his first year and got 13 wins. He's going into his second year. Any rational person would say that this team should be moving in a forwardly direction. I made that up. I'm proud of it. Forwardly. The Vikings core is very, very old. And the team is deteriorating because they have no ability to replace. For example, the Packers' offensive line seems to be eroding. They take one swing, get Elton Jenkins, and he's a great football player. They've added Darnell Savage. They added Adrian Amos. They added Zadarius Smith. They added Preston Smith. I mean, just the, the, in a year, they, they went from being bottom of the barrel to 13 wins. And all, again, although there were problems, this is a very good football team. And it's a team that got better. And again, the Vikings got worse. I, I, don't, I don't know how that's even disputable. First of all, their quarterback had the best year of his entire career. Now, maybe he's able to replicate that. Eh, I'm thinking he takes at least a half a step back. Stephon Diggs is gone. A big part of the reason that their quarterback was as good as, they, as he was is because of Stephon Diggs, who is now gone. The offensive line is still trash. They already had no corners last year, and they lost them all. They had one good linebacker, and as I've said 75,000 times now, the guy has been overrated since forever. He was rated as the number one linebacker in football last year. There is almost a 0% chance he, he replicates that amount of success. This team has essentially two good safeties and a bunch of question marks, outside of, obviously, Daniil Hunter. But I don't think there's a single thing on that Vikings team you can point to and say this is why they're significantly better than the Packers. They weren't as good as the Packers last year. They got worse. The Packers got better. Even marginally. The, the Vikings got marginally worse. The Packers got marginally better. Fine. But again, add in the fact that it's young. It's a much younger team. It is a head coach that's going into his second year. It's an entire offense going into their second year. It's a defense largely going into its second year under Petten. I know it's technically third, but as I've said, it's basically the second year for most of this defense, which did massively improve last year. I don't understand the rationale. The Colts are one spot ahead of the Packers. I don't mind taking a flyer on the Colts. I've said they got a good roster. I don't think that you should put them ahead of a 13-win team, but whatever. You know, you, you don't like their division. You feel like they're going to beat up on the maybe strength of schedule type stuff, whatever. Fine. The Steelers. I, 
again, okay, fine. Decent enough defense. Ben's back. Should they be ahead of the Packers? No, but, I, I, you know, the Rams are just collapsing. The Rams are 11th. I, I, I don't understand. What are we doing? The Rams are absolutely imploding. Everything's falling apart for that team. And we're putting them 11th. The Bills, who can't even win their own division, with a terrible quarterback, are 10th. The Patriots are 9th. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Literally, Patriots fans, go look at, what, what's his name, Dave Portnoy. He's throwing his hands up saying, oh, I guess we're tanking. Yeah, it looks that way, doesn't it? Because all your core players just left. Tom Brady's gone. Gronk is obviously still gone. You know, Van Noy. They're gone. There's nothing left. You're not even trying. The Patriots don't have a good team, and they don't even have a quarterback. What are you talking about? The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are eighth. Why? What have they done? This is a bad football team. Well, they got Brady and Gronk. Okay. The Seahawks are seventh. Why? It is a terrible football team with a great quarterback. Why? Just I just want someone to explain it. Can you explain it? Can anyone explain it? Why are they, I mean, it, it, the, the only thing I can think, and it, it drives me nuts because I'm here begging you for a dollar a month and these guys are getting paid full-time salaries to write this garbage. It's just a little upsetting to me because a cursory look at the Seattle Seahawks roster would tell you that this is not a good team. If you look back over their history, you see that this is a slow... I mean, it's not. A, it's a rapid erosion. It is a slow erosion in terms of their, their ranking, their ability to win football games. That's very slowly. And the fact that the roster is dissipating at a much more rapid rate than their record shows you how talented Russell Wilson is and their head coaches and these core pieces that keep this thing going, how impressive they are. But at some point, this thing's going to snap. And I, listen, I can't predict they're going to have a bad season. Every year I say they're going to have a bad season, and they still make it to the playoffs. But it gets harder every year because their garbage GM doesn't know what he's doing. And there's no, I mean, and again, it's not that they can't have a good year. I'm not saying I'm promising they're going to have a, good, a bad year. It's simply a matter of what does all the available information tell us? What is the best estimation we can make based on what we have available to us? Even the Dallas Cowboys at five is a little rich. They got a good roster. But this is, a, this is the Dallas Cowboys experience what the Packers went through in 2018. When you're looking at the roster and saying, there should be better than this garbage record that they have. By the way, that team was presided under by Mike McCarthy. Again, as I've said, the Dallas Cowboys, something is broken, and we don't know what it is, and we don't know what's going to fix it. But I, I don't know. I, a lot of this is just hypey garbage, and I just keep, it's just... It's clickbaity stuff that I keep getting drawn into because it, I feel like maybe this is my fault. Maybe I don't do dumb enough stuff. Like if I want to ever get a big show, which I, I don't ever want to be like on television or anything. Weird little side note about myself. I love doing the podcast. I hate the thought of becoming famous. It makes me very uncomfortable that a lot of people know me. I, I'm not a fan of it. It's kind of a weird little contradiction, but I do enjoy the podcast very much. Part of me wishes I was much more mysterious when I did this show so that I was some unnamed, unmasked, faceless person putting out a podcast and there's this big mystery of who is it? Some masked man in the basement. I don't know why I would wear a mask in my basement, but I feel like it would be necessary to see out this vision. But it's a little bit too late for that. Anyways, if that were a goal that I wanted to be Skip Bayless, I would just have to say really stupid stuff and let people go crazy, and then I go viral, and everyone knows who I am, and then I get a blue check mark, and then I get a big paycheck to do this nonsense. I don't know if my DNA would allow that. 
I feel like I would start convulsing if I had to put out garbage like this as a means of, of making a living. But whatever. And, and, and again, Chiefs number one, Ravens number two, 49ers number three, Saints number four. I don't have a problem with that. Dallas, I think, is silly at number five. I, I, I would bet they're going to be a good team. But I listen, I would bet they're a good team the same way I thought the Falcons would rebound. Because they got a good roster. They just completely fell off out of nowhere. And it's like, well, they're, they're gonna, they had a bad year. They're going to rebound. They didn't rebound. They're just not rebounding. And I've, I've come to the point now where it's like, okay, you just got to tear it down and start over. You got to get rid of this coach like the Packers did with McCarthy. You got to just give up on it and start over. While you still have time with Julio and, and Matty Ice and the whole crew. You got a good roster. You got to just get a new regime in there and hope for the best. How do we know that's not the Dallas Cowboys? We don't which is why they probably shouldn't be fifth. I don't know. Again, I've, I've done this already. You've already heard me rant about this, but there's just, there's just some teams that get way too much respect and others that get none. I mean, to be fair, I think the Vikings should be higher than 13th and the Packers should be higher than the Vikings. I mean, the Rams should not be above any of these teams. They should not be above the Packers, the Colts, the Vikings, or the Steelers. They just shouldn't. The Buffalo Bills, I, I, I get the, the allure. I understand it. But they've got a long way to go, and part of the problem is their quarterback. And when you're when you're one, when the one thing holding you back is your quarterback, Chicago Bears, Jaguars for years. I mean, how many times do we say that the, the odds of you being successful are very low? I mean, Eli won a Super Bowl, although it was on the back of him having a very good year. Flacco won a Super Bowl, although I think it was one of his better years. Manning technically got dragged to a Super Bowl, so it does happen on occasion. But I mean, come on, man, the Bills at ten, and then. And they got the Houston Texans at 24. This is how you know that this is all just taking media narratives and just having fun with it. Everybody's hyped up about the Cowboys because they got, you know, another wide receiver. And so I'm going to make them number five. It's just, it's like people that just sit on Twitter and jump on every hype train and get excited about it. And that's how they make these lists. The Houston Texans go to the playoffs every single year. Why are they 24th? I'll tell you why. Because everyone's talking about how dumb their head coach is. So because he's dumb, I'm going to make them 24th. Well, they got rid of their wide receiver. I understand that. And they added three other wide receivers. None of them are as good as the guy that they had. But again, it's it's at least give them the credit that they're due. The guy, as, as much as he's a terrible GM, has been a phenomenal coach that has somehow dragged this terrible team, no defense, no offensive line, no run game, no wide receivers outside of Hopkins, and a quarterback. So you got a quarter, one quarterback, one wide receiver, and you're able to go to the playoffs every single year. At least give the guy a little bit of respect. You're going to put him behind the Bears? I What are we doing? And they got the Jacksonville Jaguars dead last. I just, this whole list is stupid. This whole list is dumb. Who wrote this? I just, I need to start remembering names. Seth Walder, ESPN analytic, Analytics. Is that what this is? You had a computer do this for you? Because it sounds like a 14-year-old on Twitter made this. I mean, I mean, you know, the Patriots are as high as they are because of laziness. Well, the Patriots are always good, and they're just going to decline a little. No, the whole thing fell apart, dude. Well, the Bucks got Brady now, which is hilarious, the fact that Brady is the thing that's going to be so magical for the Buccaneers that they're going to go from a terrible team to an instant playoff contender. But at the same time, the Patriots are still good, even though we lost them. That's just amazing to me. <laughs> it's not very well thought out. Whatever. Anyways, again, I don't want to do a power ranking rant every other day, but this got sent to me, and it just, I just, I I just want someone to explain it to me. I just want someone, and of course they didn't, right? Projected wins and then chances of reaching the playoffs, and I'm guessing some computer spit this out for you. But even that doesn't line up. They didn't just rank it based on that. 
If you look at the Rams, who they ranked 11th, 8.3 projected wins, chances of reaching the playoffs 45%. The Steelers' projected wins are 8.8 and a 58% chance of making the playoffs. Why are the Rams above the Steelers? The Vikings have better odds. The Colts have better odds. The Titans have better better odds. The Broncos have, uh, well, they're significantly lower. So it's not just based on that information. You actually decided to go against it and push up teams for really dumb reasons. I, I just I just feel like these guys are not immersed in football. They can't be. They're they're just going off of, like th- this is like casual fan. This is a casual fan list. Like where's the Patriots? Oh, we got to put the Patriots high. Why? Well, I mean it's the Patriots. What about the Buccaneers, dude? Great wide receivers and they got Brady. They're gonna be so good. Seattle. Oh, Seattle's always good. We should put them pretty high for sure. What about Dallas? Oh, dude, Dallas. They just got Ceedee Lamb, bro. Totally putting them high. Eagles too. They got Jalen Rager. They're gonna be so good. They ever fix the cornerback spot? Corners. Who needs corners, dude? We got wide receiver. We got three wide receivers now, bro. I can't. Why? I can't. Also, I, that that too just makes me insane. Because that's the entire division. I want to. I need to go. The entire division was terrible last year. The entire NFC East was a joke last year. And now we have Dallas at five and Philly at six. Both of them just so happened to get wide receivers in the first round. I bet that's a coincidence. I bet that's a coincidence. So we got Dallas as number five because they got C.D. Lamb. The Eagles are number six, despite being garbage last year, because they got Jalen Rager. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are eighth because they got Tom Brady. The Seahawks are seventh because they're just always good and there's no real reason not to put them seventh, I guess. The Patriots are ninth because they just are always good, despite the fact that you can't point to two people on this team with any talent whatsoever. Ah. (sighs) I gotta go. I need to get going. So, anyways, um... Hopefully there's no big news because I don't want to have to do any more scraping the bottom of the barrel stuff. I want to start focusing on the division starting tomorrow. Um, the plan will be to kind of work our way up. And I, I that means we're going to start with the Lions probably tomorrow. I'm not sure. Maybe just let me know. What what should the, the piece de resistance, which I actually just Googled it, and it, it means exactly what it sounds like, piece of resistance. I don't know how that's relevant to the context, but... Um, let me know what the piece of resistance should be. That's piece as in like piece of pie, not um, the, the make love, not war thing. Or piece of cornbread, which I've recently been trying to make some good cornbread. I'm 0 for 2 so far, but I'm getting better at it. If anybody's got a sweet cornbread recipe, let me, let me know. But also, back to what I was saying originally, <laughs> cornbread's good, man. Oh, as, as an aside to my aside, if there's corn in your cornbread recipe, I don't want it. And if it's very dry and crumbly, should go without saying, don't bother giving it to me. I want moist, I want sweet. doesn't have to be super sweet like cake, but it, I mean, it should have some sweetness to it. Not this dry, bland garbage that I have to drink a gallon of water just to get it down. But let me know um, what the finale of that should be. Should I do Lions, Bears, Vikings, then Lion, or Lions, Vikings, Bears? Probably should be Bears, because for some reason they make me the angriest. But the Vikings do seem to be the better team, so I don't know. Let me know what you think. But I got to go. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Wednesday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.
Mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.